Welcome to Brain Wellness, the podcast. I'm your host, Mandy MP. Each episode will bring you a new topic or interview related to brain health and wellness as part of my mission to help you on the path to a healthier, happier brain. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Brain Wellness, the podcast. My guest today is Janet White. Janet is a registered nurse, certified positive psychology coach, speaker, and author. She spent decades in healthcare administration, coaching, mentoring, and leading teams. Her self-development journey led her to realize the favorite part of her healthcare roles was the ability to build relationships, coach, and mentor people. She's a devoted grandmother and enjoys warm, sunny beaches. She loves sharing her passion for living a healthy, happy, alcohol-free lifestyle. Her story includes a long-term abusive marriage, bout with cancer, self-esteem, body issues, and grief. She lost 50 pounds, quit drinking, and is learning to be happy with herself despite all of her, in, all of her imperfections. Today, she empowers women and men to be the best versions of themselves. Thanks, Janet, for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So my first question, everyone, is always, what's your story? Why does brain health interest you? Well, you know, honestly, brain health is is who we are. You think about your heart and you think about your body, but your mind is what who we are and what we do. And if you don't have a healthy mind, then nothing else matters. Um, I, my grandmother, um, all of my relatives after 80 developed, you know, dementia, Alzheimer's. And as a nurse, I've seen so many people with cognitive changes. Um, so I think it's important that we do what we can do, genetics might be going against us, but there may be some things that we can do uh, to help and improve our, you know, longevity and and keep us as cognitive as we can be during our, uh, as we age. So I think that's why. Yeah. Yep. I think we all kind of have, all of us that get into healthcare, we all have a why. And a lot of it is either personal or family related where we saw somebody or, or watched somebody go through something and that really made an impact on us. Um, I find that time and time again, as we do these interviews and just in general with people that I work with in the hospital. So um, yeah, that's, that's definitely a, a good why. And uh, working in healthcare, you do see a lot of that. Um, so what got you into, um, kind of taking a step back from alcohol, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, I think alcohol, um, you know, when you think about your life story, there, there's times where you, you know, you're young, you do things and then you get older and you do certain things. And so my journey, as you read in my, um, bio is, um, I was married for a long time and it was a very toxic relationship. It wasn't until after I got out of that, that I started kind of actually finding myself and figuring out who and what I wanted to be. Uh-huh. <laughs> And um, I actually used alcohol to comfort me, to help numb some of the feelings I was having. I lost my mom and my sister, both in their 50s, to cancer, and I had my own bout with cancer. And alcohol in our society is really portrayed Mm -hmm. to help us, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. it, it calms us down. It relaxes us. It's everywhere. It's so good for us. Everyone does it. And uh, so I fell into the habit like everybody else. I've got a very stressful job working in healthcare administration. I would come home, pop open a bottle of wine, have a few glasses, take the edge off. That became habitual. And the next thing you know, 10 years go by and you look at yourself and you say, wow, I 
am drinking a lot. And it it's not, you know, I worked every day. It wasn't an alcoholic situation, but that dependence, it can't be healthy. It can't be good. And Mandy, I started having some of those cognitive issues that we talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, the alcohol slows your reaction time. It, you know, you, we all know the famous slurred speech, everyone doing yeah. that. That's your brain. Alcohol's messing with your brain. Um, and so I guess it was actually having uh, my daughter having my first grandbaby that became my catalyst to look at my alcohol use. Do I really want to drink and then have my granddaughter spend the night? What if it's two o'clock in the morning and she wakes up and needs something? What if, you know, there's all... What am I doing here? Do I want to live a long time and be the grandma and watch them grow up? So that's, I think, was where I started looking at. I need to make a change with alcohol. So I decided to take a challenge and just quit Mm -hmm. for uh, 30 days. And that didn't seem to help much. I went right back to drinking. Uh, Then I decided, you know what, maybe I need a little longer. So I signed up for a 90-day just challenge, just try to get through it. I started reading a lot of what we call quit lit, which is what the brain, what happens to your brain on alcohol. Even as a nurse, sometimes we don't focus on some of the ill effects mm-hmm. that alcohol has on us and it, our sleep patterns, our, um, you know, our heart rates. I mean, all kinds of things that alcohol does to us. Mm -hmm. And so I started looking into why I was drinking and a lot of the repressed grief and a lot of the raw emotions from my previous marriage and those kind of things. Once you get alcohol out of the way, you have to deal with a lot of these feelings. But once you get past that, the health benefits, the energy levels, I can sleep better. I have less anxiety. I was able to maintain my weight now. I mean, there's a million benefits. So while having my grandbaby around me might've been my catalyst, I never dreamed that I would have completely stopped alcohol, but it's been over four years. And honestly, I can't imagine putting it back in my life. Why would I? (laughs) Right. When you feel so good, there's no reason. Exactly. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the sleep part because a lot of people think that, oh, I need a a glass or two before bed because it'll help me sleep, but it actually does the opposite. It messes with our circadian rhythm. You actually then will wake up in the middle of the night and a lot of people have trouble falling back to sleep and then they don't realize why. And they, they try to blame the stress that led them to drink to begin with. And it's really not. So, uh, yeah, it does the exact opposite of what we think it does. And uh, yeah, the, the three o'clock in the morning, uh, waking up with palpitations, dehydrated. I mean that, you know, it did make me go to sleep. And I was one of those people, even though I was a nurse and probably should have known better. (laughs) I thought, man, I need this to relax me and get me to sleep. But you're right. Come three o'clock when the alcohol is going out of your system, the body's shooting all those other detox chemicals in there to try to help you maintain, um, you know, some balance in your brain and the dehydration and all the other things that happen, Mm -hmm. um, wake you up. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's counterintuitive, but it it really is not good for your sleep. Right. Right. Yeah. And that, that thought of having to be an alcoholic to give up alcohol is kind of out there as well. And that's getting to be a little bit more mainstream now. People are talking about it more than we used to, but you don't have to be a quote alcoholic to need to stop the alcohol. Just when you realize that it's it's too much, it's interfering with what you want to do. You don't have to be completely addicted to say, I don't want that effect in my life anymore. 
You know, I think it's hard, Mandy, though, because I think we're still kind of in two lanes Mm -hmm. and alcohol is so prevalent in our society. I mean, you can't go to a ball game without having a beer. You can't go to a fancy restaurant without having a glass of wine. I mean, you are considered some weirdo if you turn Mm -hmm. down a a champagne at a, you know, at a a toast of of some sort. So I think, you know, we haven't quite gotten there yet, but I think it's kind of like, if you think about smoking, I mean, you're kind of young, but back in the day, (laughs) smoking was so mainstream and everybody did it. They did it on TV. We had the billboards and then what it was killing people. It wasn't healthy. It wasn't good for them. And so the culture and society started saying, you know what? No, we're not going to buy into this marketing and this propaganda. And I think a lot of people, not because of addiction, but because of health reasons are saying, you know what? Alcohol is the same thing. It's not good for me. And why do I want to put this into my body? And we're fighting society, these social pressures that we feel to have to drink to say, you know what, I'm okay not to drink. If you want to drink, that's fine. But why do you have to question me about why I don't drink? As a matter of fact, it is the better alternative. And so I think you're right. We're we're coming around. Mm -hmm. If you ever look in the grocery store nowadays for non-alcoholic alternatives, they're everywhere. They've got some really good choices now. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting there. Yeah, I, I agree on the the media and the marketing though. It's it's still it still has not caught up. I remember the commercials for for the cigarettes when I was a kid, and yeah, it was it was there. And uh, just the the big flip that we've had with that that uh, has not happened with alcohol yet. You you are right on that. Yeah. So. Yeah, you remember the Winston tastes yeah. good like cigarette should. I mean, <laughs> how, how do I still remember that? You know, yeah. forty years later. <laughs> yep, yep. And it, it made you marketing. And it made you look better. You wanted to look like the people that smoked because, man, they were handsome guys. And yeah, um, yeah. No, it's uh, we don't need it. I joke with people that yeah, I, I do still drink occasionally, but when when I'm out with my friends, I joke that I don't need it because I'm just as goofy without alcohol as I am with. And then I can remember everything and I don't feel sick. So it's all good. Yeah. It can be very dangerous. People don't like it when you go out to drink and you're not drinking because they know that Mm. you're going to remember what they did. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Very true. So, um, yeah. So how did, how did your family and friends support you with that decision? Well, you know, I think they all thought I'd lost my mind. Um, And I was kind of one of those, unfortunately, I was one of those drink pushers. You know, I was one of those people that I was the life of the party. I wanted everybody around me to be drinking. I was that horrible person who, come on, just have one more. Come on, you know, I'm buying the shots. And, and I think it, you know, looking back, I didn't realize, but I feel like because I was drinking, you know, (laughs) quite a bit that I wanted everybody around me to drink because I felt better. Um, about myself and about my alcohol use when everybody else was drinking. So I surrounded myself with people who drank as much as I did. Um, and I had every every paraphernalia you could ask for, you know, those flip-flops, um, follow me, bring wine. I had those. <laughs> I had, you had me at Merlot. I had it all. Um, and so when I made the decision to quit, my friends and family were like, what the what, Janet, you're crazy. And, you know, they even said, you're not an alcoholic. Why would you quit? Why don't you just cut back? But you know what I found was moderation was very elusive for me. It it, it became a it, much more work than just saying no, because it was like, okay, I'm going to have one drink tonight. Well, one, maybe two. 
uh, well, three beers here. Oh, well, it's a party. And I was always bargaining with how much to drink and not to drink. And then I was in that cycle of sleep. And what we realize when we do the research is that it takes a while to get alcohol completely out of your system. And even if you're only having an occasional drink, it can wreak havoc on your sleep patterns, on your anxiety, on all kinds of other things. So it wasn't until I actually took that long break that I thought, man, I feel so much better. I was kind of, you know, I'm 60 now. And so, you know, in your fifties, you kind of think, oh, I'm slowing down a little bit. That's why I kind of feel tired every morning. No, it was the darn alcohol. (laughs) And, you know, the studies are actually showing now that even small amounts of alcohol um, are not good for you. So, you know, they have that standard. They keep lowering it. You know, it's 14 drinks a week. Oh, it's 12 drinks a week. Oh, it's 10. And the most recent studies are saying that there's really no safe uh, amount. And it's basically because we're all made different. And our brain metabolizes it differently. As we age, it gets way worse. So you see older people, they're retired. Oh, we may as well start drinking. Let's have some. That's the worst thing you can do. Balance issues, memory issues, all the things that you struggle with as you age, alcohol accelerates. So, you know, I'm passionate about this, Mandy, because I feel like I found something great. You know, we spend so much money on, quote, the fountain of youth, Mm -hmm. but we can give up alcohol and it can, I mean, it's like huge in in, uh, reducing our aging. So, yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, I had a thought and I lost it. We'll just move on to the next question. Maybe it'll come back to me. Uh, you've been through all all of this. Uh, How do you keep your brain healthy now, now that you're you're not having the alcohol on a regular basis? What else are you doing to keep your brain healthy? So actually I have seven, um, seven pillars, I call them, or seven um, foundations. And it's in my book um, and it's called, I I use a mnemonic so that I can help myself remember. It's called pre-cans. And the P is for living your passion or your purpose. You know, when we do things that are important to us and we are living our values, then that is healthy for us. We, so many times we get stuck into, we think if you were to ask us what was important to us, we'd say, oh, our health, our family, but then we're working 60 hours and we're drinking every night, you know, that you're not living your values. So if you're following your P's passion, purpose, rest and recovery is the R. So Resting our brain, you know, we know about our sleep and our body, but we resting our brain, meditation, prayer, whatever works for you to take that rest. E is for exercise. C is for connection. We know how important that is. We found that out during COVID, right? When we mm-hmm. can talk to each other, hug each other. Yeah. Um, the A, of course, is alcohol free. N is for nutrition and S is for sleep. So if you look at those seven areas of your life, when mine are high, when I'm doing good in those areas, I'm feeling good, I'm happier, I'm healthier, and I can trace it back when I start not sleeping good, eating crap, skipping my exercises, doing things I hate and don't want to do. I, I can feel myself going back and not feeling as good. So I kind of use that mnemonic to keep myself on track. And where am I today? And if I'm feeling a little low, okay, what's lacking here? I mean, we're always you know, life's a journey. It's never a hundred percent that we're going to be perfect in every area, but that kind of gives me a focus. Yep. Yeah. I like it. I like it. 
Um, are there one or two things out of that that you would say people should start with like right now? Where could they start to get better? Well, you know, and of course I might be biased, but I'm absolutely (laughs) going to have to say that if you stop drinking, a lot of those other things get easier. You know, it's not just the empty calories that trips you up. It's once you drink, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have had healthy food in the fridge, ready to make dinner, come home, popped open a bottle of wine, had a couple glasses and ordered a freaking pizza. I mean, you know, I don't feel like cooking. <laughs> so, True. you know, the food, the nutrition piece goes down. You make, you know, worse food choices. You start craving the carbs. You start craving the sugar. The exercise goes down. Who feels like going to the gym after a couple beers? I mean, yeah. so to me, if you can knock the alcohol out of the way, a lot of these other health principles will come up to meet it. Or limit it. If you want to take a break, you don't want to take a break, limit it, reduce the amount, anything that you can do. So that's that's one quick fix, I yeah. say. Yeah. Um, but focusing on exercise and sleep and your nutrition, I mean, they all go hand in hand, don't they? They do. They do. Absolutely. Um, I remembered what I was going to ask about. So when when we're going from drinking on a regular basis to stopping, there's always that risk for withdrawal. Did you have any issues with that? No, you know, that that is a danger. Um, and I'm not an alcohol counselor or anything mm-hmm. like that. I'm I'm my focus is the middle lane drinker like me who, yeah. you know, we got up every day, we function, we never got up and had to slam something in the morning to keep the DTs. Right. But as a nurse, I've actually seen patients, I had to hang a vodka drip one time, Um, you know, they were so addicted. So I would say that if you have any concern or think that you are drinking that much, uh, you probably, you definitely need to get a professional to help you. I'd say the majority of us don't, I had no issues at all. Yeah. Um, other than the cravings, of course, and yeah. the, you know, but most of uh, no physical, um, I, I don't, again, wasn't at that point of dependence, but you yeah. know, it's a slippery slope. Yep. And everybody's different. I've actually had patients where the only thing that we could figure out was that they literally had one alcoholic drink every day, but their system was so much that if they didn't have that, they actually went into withdrawal. So wow. we, we kind of put a, this number on there. Oh, if somebody's having several drinks a day, that can put them at, at higher risk for withdrawal, but even one. Um, and I, 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 we questioned whether or not the patient was being truly honest. Cause sometimes we, we take what the patient tells us and then we multiply it by three, right. In healthcare, right. <laughs> kind of what we're taught to do. Uh, sometimes the patients are honest and, and she was very adamant that it was one a day, but uh, being in the hospital, having to have uh, surgery was what it started out and just going cold Turkey like that. It was, it was a little bit more difficult for that particular patient. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I, re- I remember when I was first working as a nurse, we had an ENT surgeon who would do these complex uh, cancer removals and the patients would be extreme alcoholics coming in and he didn't want to put them on alcohol withdrawal protocols in the hospital. So we were doing alcohol down their feeding tube. Yep. And we had, so we had a beer fridge in the, on our <laughs> unit, we had a beer fridge for the patients and we would put beer in their feeding tube uh, to keep them from going to withdrawal. It was the strangest thing I'd ever seen. Uh, yeah, that is, I mean, it's, it's definitely a different animal. I mean, when you think about how society um, treats alcohol. It's interesting. It's like drink, 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 drink until you mm-hmm. drink too much. 
And then it's like, Oh, you're bad. You you're an alcoholic. You're, and there's no way to know Mm -hmm. where that level is. And I think they've actually changed the term now to um, dependent drinker or some other less uh, offensive term. Uh, But the bottom line is, is that you really don't know where that level is. I, I saw, I read something about, it's like those plants, you know, that, that take those flies, those plants that take the fly oh, and, and the nectar. Yes. Yeah. And so here, that's alcohol. Here yeah. it is. Here it is. And so you fly in, you have a little, mm-hmm. you have a little, and you never know when you're going to be so far down that you're not going to be back up. So it seems extreme and I, I don't want to sound like, oh my gosh, I'm don't ever drink. Nobody drink. I, my family and friends all drink. Uh, everybody around me, I go, I go to the sober dance. Now I could go sober dance uh, <laughs> and I watch people drink. And, you know, a lot of people can handle alcohol. They have it, like you said about yourself, occasionally now and then it's not a trigger for them. It's not something I think probably how you use alcohol yeah. is the biggest thing. And when you, if you're drinking alcohol because you need to be yeah. relaxed, you need to reduce your stress, you may want to check yourself because yeah. that is not is a very different case. Um and it can be like you said um a trap. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. And you do need to be careful even if you're an occasional drinker if you drink when you're very emotional. Uh, kind of like you mentioned earlier, anything that you do normally, alcohol will heighten that. So if you are angry and you go out drinking, it's going to be worse. Um, yeah, I had a, a, a kind of a nasty breakup at one point and I was just angry and went out drinking with my friends. And I don't, I, I only had a couple drinks, but I was more affected than I've been, I think ever with drinking because that just heightened my emotions. Yeah. Well, you know, you speaking of alcohol in the brain, it's very interesting how it affects different people. And mm-hmm. and I heard a um heard a podcast the other day and the and the, the person was talking about the the ways that it impacts our brain. And as we age, our brain change. And even if you could handle three or four drinks before, you know, you might not be able to. We've mm-hmm. got I just read an article the other day about these college students doing what they call a Borg. I had never heard of it, but drinking a gallon of alcohol. And I mean, they were in ICU and I mean, it's like, are we still doing that people? (laughs) (laughs) We should know better by now, but yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's, it affects our brain in so many ways, whether it's emotional or, or even physical as we start to notice different brain changes. So if somebody as a, as a provider, I've gotten consults on people lately that who are free in the last several years who have problems with, excuse me, with their memory, with their balance, with, um, repetitive movements. Now they've got these ticks, muscle ticks, and we do MRIs of the brain and you can actually see degenerative changes in somebody who has had chronic alcohol use for mm-hmm. any, any length of time. And those some sometimes are permanent and we can't go back from that. Sometimes we can reverse those, but once it shows up on the brain, that's, that's oftentimes where we can't go back from those things. And then we have physical changes because of that alcohol use. 
So where's the commercials for that, Mandy? Yeah. I mean, come on. I, it's it's like uh, we we need to start pu- put, putting out those commercials. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the smoking commercials where the lady yeah. comes on. And, you yeah. know, where they're asked me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know when when or or if that's going to come about, because I think there is still just that huge societal push to, to keep it there. Uh, but yeah, I. I would like to see more, more things like that because patients don't realize no. uh, they, when we talk about what kind of, what caused changes in their brain, they, it comes as a huge shock that yep. my alcohol use did this. And it's just, they will always say, well, I knew, it, I knew it was never healthy or I knew it might be a problem, but I didn't realize it would lead to this. And it's, it's very depressing for people when they find that out too. Yeah. Well, it's, it's sad. And I think, I think the thing is, is that, you know, as a society, we have a responsibility. Um, it's, it's one thing if someone chooses to, to drink to excess or whatever, but I think we, we don't educate well enough. People don't know the ills. And in fact, it is the only drug where you are questioned when you try to quit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, I can just imagine my friends and family, if I was on cocaine or something, they, they, they wouldn't have said to me, me, hey, just 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 do a line a week, man. Don't quit. You know? <laughs> right? <laughs> so. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's and it's that I wish we would have that in the news actually and talking about what what kind of things can happen because when I take care of those kind of patients, I'll think, well, I was gonna have a glass of wine with dinner tonight, but I don't think I'm gonna do that. So it <laughs> totally sways me because I'm like, even that one, nope, not worth it at this point. Uh, yeah. so yeah, I think a little I- education would go a long way. It really would. And, and I think the one shocker to me, especially related to the brain is the alcohol. We talked about the sleep, but the anxiety so many times we are anxious or stressed or feel, you know, that this alcohol is going to help with that. And unfortunately it actually makes it worse. And you can do the research on that and see that after you drink that, that recovery period and after the detox, you are much more anxious, um, anxiety, somebody called termed it, you know, uh, but yet no one talks about that. And so, you, you know, we're using the, the substance to help with our anxiety, but we're actually producing more. So it, it's, uh, yeah. So I'm happy that you are having me on so that we can talk about that and people can ask themselves, what is it really benefiting me? And if you say to me, well, you know, I can take it or leave it. Well, then why not leave it? Why not leave it for a while and see how much better you feel? Right. Right. And if you're worried about the societal thing, they do have a lot of really cool mocktails out there now too. So you can get something that looks like you're drinking the same thing as the person next to you. And then nobody would even question you. Exactly. So yeah, that's the joy of of some of those things in society changing. So yeah. (laughs) We're working on it. We're trying. We are. We're getting there. uh, We call it the fun side of the island. We're going to make it, you know, it's cool to be sober, you know, sober, curious, all the other movements that are out there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of good things on the horizon that are coming up. Um, So speaking of on the horizon, what kind of projects are you working on that you'd like to share with our, our listeners here? Well, I would, I would like to say, you know, that um, my book, uh, Finding Bliss Beyond the Buzz is available. 
Um, and I've been doing some things to promote that. But really what I, I think I'm going to focus on more, I do some one-on-one -on -one coaching. I do some group challenges. I have a Facebook page. I go live every Sunday at 8 a.m. and just talk about, you know, all kinds of different things, health-related. Uh, lots, lots of time has an alcohol theme just because mm -hmm. it's my passion. Um, but I'm thinking about really trying to start more talks out there to educate. Um, so I'm working with the Chamber of Commerce in my local town and the some women's groups and some different uh, things to try to get some talks to, to challenge some mm -hmm. of this. Uh, let's all drink mm -hmm. <laughs> in society and say, Hey, let's all not drink and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very good. And you're down in Florida, Florida. Mm -hmm. So yeah. for those listening, that's, that's where those local things will be happening. Now, I'm not up here in Minnesota right now that I know <laughs> of. So yeah, I might come up in the summer, Mandy, if it's warm up there, I might come up and it's probably beautiful. I would, it, it is beautiful. Actually, fall is the best time because then you get oh. the colors, but oh, okay. yeah. yeah, not winter, not right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So where can people find you? You mentioned Facebook page. Where can people find you if they want to learn more? Yeah. So, so my, if you can remember bliss beyond the buzz, you can pretty much find me anywhere. That's the name of my website, my Facebook page, my Instagram. Um, and then my private group, my private, private Facebook group is called the blissful bunch. But if you can remember bliss beyond the buzz, type it in, hopefully you can find me. I'd love for you guys to join me, uh, and give it a try. I mean, I really, really think I've had so many people, um, message me and say, you know, I, I, I found what you found. I quit for 30 days and oh my gosh, I felt so much better. Um, and I've never said that I'm never going to drink again. I still haven't after four years, I've never said I'm never going to drink again, but you know what the issue is, is whenever I think I might want to drink, it's not because I love the taste or feel happy. It's because some terrible things happen. And I'm like, I just want to, and I know that's not the time to drink. That's not when I should use alcohol. Otherwise I'm not tempted. So yeah. <laughs> I just feel better without it. Yeah. Yep. Very good points. Good points. Um, so I, I think we could probably go on and on. I do want to be respectful of your time. Is there anything else you wanted to, uh, send our listeners out with today? Um, I think I really would like to talk to people who, are aging and just for a second, not to single them out, but just to say, you know, we, you may have had great fun with alcohol in the past. And, but honestly, as we age, we have to start taking better care of ourselves. We have to get rid of the alcohol uh, because it is bad. It does reduce our mobility and our, our cognitive issues and get out and start moving, get exercising. Age is just a number. Don't let it define you. So that's just my little, little plea for the people that are in the over 60 club. <laughs> yeah. Great points. There are so many alternatives. Uh, exercise is a great way to deal with that stress. So yeah, very good words. Good words. Thank you so much for your time today, Janet. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brain Wellness, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to subscribe, like, and share this with others to help me continue on with my mission to help people live healthier, happier lives. Go to www.brainwellnesssolutions.com to see what I'm up to and get links to all the social medias there. See you next time.